Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode... What episode is it, Nate? 127. 127. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Rod Drury. I'm Nate Dunn. Welcome along, guys. Uh, great to have you both here. Now, uh, Rod, your first time on the podcast. You'd better uh, let everyone know where you, where you fit into the technology world for, uh, for those who don't know you. Uh, so I'm good at escaping from podcasts, so I've managed to avoid <laughs> it 126 times. Um, I'm the CEO of Zero, and I've done a few little things. You have indeed. You have indeed. Well, it's, uh, it's a great uh, pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Nate? Um, can I write on Rod's uh, coattails? Uh, we're software developers that um, develop the API with, um, or work with Zero's API. And I also work with a moderator on Geekzone and a whole lot of other random things. So, Excellent, excellent. First up, we've heard that um, Sky... Have Sky TV have slashed their uh, their target for um, for their igloo product, which is their uh, their low end set top box, which is designed, I guess, not to compete with with Sky's main offering. What's your uh, What's your take on this, Nate? Um, so the the article pretty much talks about how in dropping the um, the targets, and it, it talks about their break even levels and all sorts of stuff. And um, the commentator says that really what the box needs is some sort of PVR function, you know, being able to record like your TiVo, your MySky, but it doesn't have those options. They're saying that um, Sky doesn't want to do that because they want to push people into the MySky. But with the partnership between Sky TV and TVNZ, oh, we can see the the benefit for Sky. But what's the benefit for TVNZ? They don't have a a, a product that they can. Um, a PVR product that they can put people on, so it's quite a big drop. Like they're talking, they originally estimated fifty thousand, and now they're dropping it right down to nineteen. Um, yeah, so that's their target to reach by uh, by December this year, which suggests their numbers are pretty low so far. Uh, we've talked about them a couple of times in the past. I think uh, a few weeks back, we were we were wondering how confident they were in their product because. Uh, uh, we, we were still yet to see a review unit. I think I got an email yesterday saying uh, one, one's on its way. Uh, hasn't hasn't quite arrived yet. But the the feature set of um, you know of of the igloo offering is you know it's pretty basic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, like for example, Rod, what do you what do you use at home for doing your sort of media? Yeah, I'm on a. Um Apple TV uh, with the US iTunes account. Yeah, and I'm very similar, but I've got a Roku behind a, a US account. And I think the problem is, and we talked to um, QuickFlix, which is a New Zealand equivalent of um, the, the Roku service, Netflix and um, Hulu. And it's not really their fault that they can't get enough content. It's the content holders have got it all locked down. So, you, you know, Kiwis like the three of us here, we've got to use sort of proxies and all sorts of things to get the content we want and it infuriates me that the stuff we want to watch like we're happy to pay for but we just don't have the ability to get it and i've always thought the igloo wasn't as good as what the other things are but i also think apple tv and probably the roku are just too hard for your mums and dads to set up yeah i mean the piece that really frustrates me about this is we look at you know rolling out a UFB, but you can't do it without fixing the content problem. So we know that people aren't going to spend, you know, seventy bucks for Sky, seventy bucks for broadband, a whole lot of phone stuff has to be a ninety nine dollar package. So the things that I think that the you know like Craig Foster, broadcasting minister, should, should be doing is going up, talking to uh, Apple, Netflix, and understanding, you know, why those two bits that said they say no movies for you, no TV for you, are turned on so that New Zealanders can't get it until we fix the content problem, so we can get. Content content delivered over IP and then get these $99 bundled services, UFB just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. But UFB is one of those things. I guess it's a long-term play, right? And, uh, you know, we need all of these things to be going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so that, that's uh, you know, we're, we're going to need that video picture to really make UFB the thing that everyone wants. I guess, you know, in some ways it's, it's almost convenient that those things aren't here yet. Uh, because people get really frustrated at the fact that they can't get UFB just yet. Yeah, but if you but if you look at the numbers that Amy Adams putting out uh, for for UFB, and they're talking about houses pass, not uh, connections. Mm. New Zealanders just aren't signing up. So I mean, my my feeling on this is, um, and I was there with with uh, John Key before he was in government talking about the policy, and he said we're going to spend uh, 1.5 billion on broadband. I'm going woohoo, and he said to the home, and I was like, oh no. So, you know, when we've looked at the problem, we saw that, you know, and I remember Murray Milner, the CTO of Telecom, he said solving the fibre to the home problem is about a $6 billion problem. 
we've allocated about 1.5 billion that recycles. But when we were doing Pacific Fibre, we found that it was about 300 million US to, fo- to solve that part. So I think, for a New Zealand point of view, far better to solve the thing that's affordable to solve, which is international broadband. Then the market actually wants these services, and people will then start paying more and doing all of those things. So to me, we're uh, solving the problem at the wrong end. And until we go in and do an intervention around getting content so you can have these $99 prices, it just doesn't work. My understanding of what happened in the UK was that Sky... Uh, was regulated to deliver uh, sport over IP, that being the killer uh, bit of content that people wanted, and that was necessary to get the um, you know to, to to get broadband rolled out through the UK. But we're very very passive on Sky, so um, you know the Sky TV and Z deal makes me very very nervous. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people would be really excited if it was possible to get access to you know Sky sport pieces over you know over their internet connection. Because uh, really, that's that's the thing that's allowed me to, I guess, do away with Sky is that I don't watch a lot of sport, so I'm you know I'm happy watching all the other content through uh, you know through other sources. Uh, so well, I think um, interesting times ahead, and um, I'm sure things will improve. Whether they improve fast enough and in the right areas, I guess, is open to quite some debate. Um, on that topic, actually, we do have an episode uh, where where we talk with uh, with Graham Mitchell, who's the CEO of Crown Fibre, uh, and that will be online this week. So, uh, so for those who are really interested in uh, in, a, in a detailed update on what's happening in the ultra fast broadband um, area. Uh, we will be uh, we'll be delivering that one shortly. Now, other news. There's a there's a couple of uh, stories here that uh, Rod, I'm sure you're uh, reasonably up to date about. Um, the first one being um, MYOB buying uh, buying Banklink. Um, there's already been a, a few of your comments reported in the uh, in the media over the last twenty <laughs> twenty four hours. Oh, it's, uh, it's all out war out there in. Um Accounting circles, I can tell you. So, so to, um, Nate, maybe you want to break break down just what this is uh, what this is all about. <laughs> like I'm some sort of accounting expert with the CEO of Zero of the room. Sure. So, I think really you've you've always had your and Rod, please um, get me on the straight and narrow when I go off. So it's really been Zero and MYB and Banklink have sort of been the three main players, and so you've gone from three players down to two players. And I just said before we started, was this a surprise? And you said no. It's Something that's been on the cards for a while. What? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the Banklink has been. Um, uh, sorry, uh, MIB has tried to buy Banklink a few times. It's been a really great business. So what what Banklink does is uh, they were really the pioneers. Been doing this for twenty five years of getting uh, bank transactions to accountants every month. And then accountants would use those to code the transactions and prepare financial statements. Often taking the data out of Banklink into a. Um, MYB back office um, accountants product. So when we came along with Zero and we looked at um, you know uh, how small businesses worked, we realised pretty quickly, hey, it'd be neat to get bank feeds every day into accounting software that small business uh, use. So what we've been doing is over the last few years, we've got major, um, we've got all the connections to all of the major banks, and. Um, uh, what's been interesting is that Banklink hasn't really innovated at all or changed their model since we've been around. So um, what we've been doing really is flipping, you know, three or five hundred Banklink customers at a time when we go into um, an accounting firm. So you got to look at it. Well, why did MYB buy buy uh, Banklink? Well, was actually quite a bit behind that. Um, MYB is now in its second generation of private equity ownership. Uh, they um, uh, Bain Capital, the US owner of MYB, uh, brought it for a um, 1.3, 1.2 billion Australian a few years ago, um, and loaded it up with debt, which is their model. Uh, I think they got uh, put 680 million of debt in it. Uh, they just uh, raised another 150 million dollar note and paid it back to themselves, put more debt on it, and they funded this. Um, uh, they funded uh, Banklink as well with debt. So there's a huge amount of of um, uh, of debt sitting in in that business, and what we've done by building the accountant side software as well, we've taken a lot of revenue away from MYB and Recon on that accountant side. So I think uh, Bain, the owners who brought it, have probably thought, "Man, we're actually at uh, pretty big risk here," and uh, with their revenues probably feeling a bit soft. I think this was the main reason for buying Banklink. Uh, good company, no debt, and they wanted to bolster up those revenues. What it means for Zero is really exciting because uh, even though we've been flipping lots of Banklink customers uh, into uh, you know we, we, our functionality supersets what they do, there was a lot of residual brand loyalty to Banklink. 
um, and now with uh, MYB um, uh, uh, owning them, that just goes away. So pretty pretty exciting news for us. What that means now, there's been this massive consolidation. So um, you know, MYB is owned by um, US private equity company. CCH brought a clips down in Christchurch last year. Uh, so there's really just sort of zero being listed in New Zealand in the ASX and and uh, reckon on the ASX. So in six years, the industry's changed completely. Exciting times. Yeah, it's oh, good. All right. Well, fascinating to get your uh, your opinions on that, uh, Rod. Um, we probably could spend a lot of a lot of time on the subject, but uh, but but we won't. And uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll hear back from the MYB guys in uh, in due course about their opinions. Oh, that'd on, be fun. Uh, maybe we should both come on on the matter. So we'll have a battle uh, off. Um, Now, also, uh, Vend have uh, just been announced they've attracted um, $8 million in additional funding. Uh, Now, this is another, uh, you know, New Zealand-based startup that's, you know, delivering a cloud-based service. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I think it was $7 million of funding and a million for the moustache. (laughs) <laughs> Should we pronounce his surname wrong? Because I know that Vaughan loves it when people call his surname as Roswell rather than Rosell. <laughs> um, for, so, for, 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 those, for those that don't get the inside joke, then they should do a search for uh, for, for, for Vaughan and uh, and Vend, Vend. and um, yeah, you'll, it's you'll a, have a joke. for those people listening in that don't know. So Vend is your point of sale software, and it's. You know, I'm in hospital. Well, one of the businesses I've got is in hospitality, and it's something that I've never thought you'd be able to run out of a browser because you've got proprietary things like cash drawers and receipt printers and barcode scanners and all sorts of things. And you never think, oh, well, you can run this out of a browser. But the thing is that that I really like about vendors that so if you've got a pop up store, you can have an iPad, you can have Android tablet, whatever you want, drop it in, and you can straight away get multiple branches going without having to. You know, get more software installed. So very similar to the Zero model, it's all hosted in the cloud for you. You don't have to have all this investment in software proprietary software on the actual um, machine so I really like Venn I think um, they've got some really cool case studies have you seen their um, we're hiring video yeah it's great it's so fun I won't ruin the secret of what it is jump on I might tweet it a bit later on have a look at it it's very very funny to watch but should, um, yeah, should be good to see what this um, what Ven can do with this extra capital. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic deal. We're, we're, we're really thrilled. Craig uh, Winkler used to be the founder of MYB, big investor in Zero. He, he's been in there, so those guys are right inside the network, doing doing a lot of smart stuff. And uh, it's really great to see them gassed up um, uh, as they grow. Uh, it's an interesting uh, space though, because I think we've seen PayPal announce they're doing something in that pod space as well. We've got Square, uh, who really are the darling of the sort of San Francisco tech scene um, now. So um, uh, they've got quite a lot of plays, you know, so where do they go? They could potentially do a listing like Zero, and uh, I know they think about that, but they also uh, might be, a, you know, one of those other good sort of um, R&D, R&D uh, by acquisition companies. So it seems like there's a huge amount of... Um, of excitement going in that space because it's the it's the intersection of loyalty things like Groupon uh, it's the sort of it's the cashless the tap and go all sorts of other things so very very hot space and great to see a New Zealand company doing so well absolutely and a bit of an opportunity for uh, for zero there should you guys be partnering up yeah no so there's already, um, a, there's already a zero and Zero and um, Vend already talked to each other quite happily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, we work closely with those guys. And people say, well, why don't you guys buy them? Well, that, that's not our model. Our model is we're building the horizontal um, accounting engine. So we're scale, looking for millions of customers. We're uh, point to sale is, um, you know, you're not going to have you know millions of customers, but you, you're probably going to end up specialising. And it has a sort of higher cost to sale, and it, but it is very sticky and all of those things. So, um, But we've been absolutely supporting them as much as we can. Yep, great to see. Great to see. Now, um, BlackBerry. Who in the room has uh, has a BlackBerry and uses a BlackBerry every day? Come on, put your hands up. Yeah, not not too many. Um, not so much. But probably, have you, have you used a BlackBerry in the past? Yeah, no. As a yeah. when I was first, uh, I remember when I first went to the US and saw Blackberries. What's this thing going on? And I was um, absolutely uh, addicted to my BlackBerry. Amazing things. So I think you know everyone has has a level of familiarity familiarity with uh, with BlackBerry and, and and one of the things I guess for uh, you know for BlackBerry users was BBM or the BlackBerry Messenger and it was that you know their their own private um, uh, instant messaging between you know devices as a replacement for uh, SMS and you know free to message between uh, between users and. 
it was always limited though you had to be part of the Blackberry club and of course the issue that Blackberry have got is that they've lost so much market share uh, that their club is getting smaller and smaller which isn't really the uh, the position that you want to be in uh, so they've, they've announced that um, we can now get uh, or that Blackberry Messenger is coming to uh, iOS and, uh, and Android do you guys think that's going to be uh, any sort of success, or is this, uh, this is just too late for uh, for BlackBerry? Yeah, I think it's far too late. And you know, there's um, you know, there's Viber, uh, Message Me is the new one, which is really slick. There's some really cool ones of those. I think the the big question for me is why does why doesn't Apple do iMessage for Android? So you know, they, they've got already got this messaging cloud service. And if I was doing strategy, they've effectively marginalised the carriers already. I mean, I could not believe they played the move where, um, you know, doing these deals with carriers on one hand, and then they move text messaging to IP rather than, um, you know, something that the carriers can tariff every time. Mm. But they pulled that off and flexed their muscles. But I would have thought, if, you know, if I was um, uh, in charge of Apple strategy, I would have done iMessage for iOS and just taken out the whole messaging market. For well, an Android as well, well yeah, for the whole yeah. thing, because right. you know, yeah. yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's you know, Black BlackBerry coming in and maybe you know outsmarting them a little bit by doing this, uh, by putting it across all the platforms. But uh, because they just you know, if they'd done this in the early days when they really had the clout, uh, you know, I think we w- we would see BlackBerry Messenger today being the thing that everybody was using because they were there first uh, doing this messaging. They've now got voice over IP. Uh, as well with BlackBerry Messenger, uh, but uh, yeah, it would it would seem that they prob- they probably left it uh, they probably left it uh, somewhat too late. Yeah, uh, yeah and, too many unless the BlackBerry Ten uh, plat- platform suddenly uh, um, springs into action and wins a whole lot of market share, which uh, you know at this stage isn't looking uh, particularly likely. Yeah, but it's frustrating for consumers because this thing's this market's now really fragment really uh, fragmented. So, but I think we're going to see some acquisitions. Wasn't there um, uh, talk about was it Viber being acquired or some one of those? Uh, um, yeah, the, the, one of the smaller ones was acquired by uh, by Skype. I think last year, yep. uh, WhatsApp seems to be the you know probably the one that um, is most likely to get acquired. Yeah, um, you know it's it's really the sort of the standout one that I think there's probably got. Uh, what are they up to? Is it two hundred million users, something like that? It's some, it's a, it's a pretty big number anyway. So they've they've really got a, a you know a huge amount of presence there. Yeah. And there's Facebook Messenger, all those, you know. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think the play though is if Apple did iMessage for Android, with all, with you know that just completely changes the game. Mm, mm. Well, I'm not sure that they're going to do that. Doesn't seem they like won't. an Apple type play. Uh, but yeah, but could, could have been uh, could have been smart. Now uh, locally, uh, two degrees. Today, I think, have announced um, that they're launching um, carryover plans in the uh, in the prepaid uh, space, which means you can pay your you know, various prices. But there's you know one plan I think is uh, nineteen dollars, gives you 200, uh, 200 uh, minutes to a prepay uh, user, and if you don't use them all up, you can uh, bump them over to the uh, to the next month. Do you think that's going to uh, help them to keep uh, to keep growing? Their market share here locally. I, th- I think they're ads. Every time I see a two degrees ad, I watch it multiple times. I think they just their marketing they've got is just so you know the whole under. I think it just fits so well with the Kiwi psych. Yeah. You know the underdog and taking down the big guy, which you know I'm sure the the zero brand fits in line with that. Um, the car- I think the carryover thing's cool because you don't you're not getting that, and you're also um, I know with Vodafone a client of ours to have data sharing between sims you've got to have a fair few sims and being able to have uh, sort of two or three sims that you can share data between is um, fantastic and none of the other telecos do mainly for um, revenue I'm assuming um, yeah, I think it will attract and keep customers I, I was really interested when Vodafone did their 4G because the speed is now far an extreme of what like, telecom is it um, December they're looking at bringing out their trials and two degrees who knows uh, no, te- Telecom uh, launching, I think, August, September uh, time frame with their, their 4G. Yeah. Uh, but it takes time to roll these things out around right. the country. And, you know, we've got to realise, yeah, we're sitting here in the office and we can all, you know, pick up pick up 4G on Vodafone's network. But, um, you it's know, Rod, Rod can't pick it up when he's, when he's uh, not in Auckland, for instance, uh, which is uh, presumably a pretty large proportion of your time. Um, and any of our listeners that are, you know, in many other parts of the countries are... Uh, are not able to get it either. So um, yeah. people exist outside of Auckland. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, there we go. Um, 
Yeah, nothing. I, 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 what do you guys think about that? I, I just I love the two degrees ads. Yeah, and, and you think about when they launched. So they launched right when X, when um, when Telecom brought all the top care guys over, and you know that last that campaign lasted about two days. Yeah, and uh, you know that, but that you know, imagine marketing guys going to bring the top gear guys over. It's going to be awesome, and it completely missed the mark. And then a real authentic New Zealand kind of take the take the piss sort of ad and mm. then and then and they are good i'm exactly in your boat when i see them i watch them i laugh they're they're awesome yep they're the sort of thing that you'll actually watch on youtube you hear a new ones out and yep. you'll actually go to <laughs> just what i ad. do i mean how, how many ads and things are there that uh that you'll do that with i guess you know there's air new zealand with their in-flight videos there's, you know there's a few things like that but not a whole lot and uh yeah i think it's pretty it's pretty impressive um so yeah i mean good good to see that good to see more innovation in the mobile space and it certainly puts more heat on uh um on the big boys although uh you know as time goes on two degrees will become uh the big boys and uh you know hopefully then we don't uh, we don't lose all the advantages i mean i remember the early days of uh, uh vodafone when when they launched and uh, you know the the service was I mean, they had coverage issues and all those sort of things. It was a you know, brand new network, but you know they would call you up and you know check how you were getting on and, and whether you had any issues. Uh, but they probably only had a hundred customers at that stage. Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see who's who's going to be the new uh, CEO. Um, and uh, I think that's uh, obviously they must be looking for someone at the moment. I think that's uh, one of the most exciting jobs coming up in the New Zealand kind of tech landscape. You know, you've got a really good challenger brand with good resources doing some neat stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see. They must announce that over the next month or so. Mm, any rumours that you've heard out there, Rod? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, smiling, yes, and smiling. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, we've heard one or two, but we will we will all say nothing um, because. Uh, hey, you write something down on a piece of paper, <laughs> and we'll kind of do a series of winks. <laughs> we, we, we've speculated before, and um, you know, sometimes things don't always uh, don't always get across the line. So, anyway, yeah, moving moving on now. Um, most New Zealanders at home have an ADSL internet connection which compared to the old dial-up connections we had uh, going back 10, 10 years or so uh, is pretty phenomenal but starting to get a little bit long in the tooth uh, hence interest in ultra-fast broadband uh, but there's sort of a halfway point and that's um, the VDSL technology. Now we've just heard uh, today that uh, that's going to become uh, more broadly available uh, as Chorus who own all the, the copper uh, cabling that's that's in the ground that leads to our homes and and businesses and so on uh, is lowering the pricing to that and uh, we know for uh, for a fact that we've got um, uh, telecom uh, moving into that uh, moving into that space with um, with VDSL and I think some of the other uh, players are, are likely to uh, to follow suit. Um, how do you guys feel about uh, VDSL? How important do you so, think this is to so is uh, it, to New is Zealand? VDSL if you can get UFB, you wouldn't have VDSL, is that right? Um, so VD, VDSL is a, I guess it's a, a variation on the ADSL technology. It will use the same copper cables. Um, the big points are is that the upload speeds can, you know, go up by, um, you know, five, five or ten times. Um, your download speeds can uh, can be better too. You do have to be quite close to a, uh, a street side cabinet to be able to get it. Uh, you know, much shorter distances than the ADSL. Uh, what Chorus is, is, is saying, there, there is, I guess, some comments around what they might offer in terms or might not offer in terms of VDSL services uh, in areas where uh, ultra-fast broadband is, is rolling out because uh, they'll, they'll then basically have, you know, a range of different services they can offer to your home and they may choose to, uh, you know, make one available in preference over the other. Uh, which will more likely be the uh, the ultra fast broadband. Do you know what the speeds like? What sort of speeds? I'm assuming it's going to be a lot faster than it is. A lot faster than ADSL. It is. I mean, the key thing is the, the key, yeah. So it's a sort of I would call it a halfway point. I mean, yep. we, we've got a uh, a VDSL connection here in uh, uh, in these premises that w- that we've had for years with with Telstra Clear, um, now now part of uh, Vodafone, where they've had a parallel sort of uh, copper network running in some parts of the. Uh, country and so I mean running into this building because there's an ISP in here as well there's all sorts of fibre and copper and, and various bits and pieces but uh, that that's you know one of the number of, of connections that uh, that we've got up and running and uh, yeah I guess you know the most noticeable thing is that uh, that increase in upload speed which is uh, is pretty handy if you're trying to move things you know files backwards and forwards to the cloud and uh, you know do, do big uploads and the like. Yeah so um, you know um, 
the thing that frustrates me about this is uh, I love fiber. I think our, our aspiration should be to have fiber, but it's ridiculously expensive. And I've got fiber at home. We built a, built a new house over the last couple of years. I had to pay to get the fiber from the street, dragged up a few hundred meters, managed to connect to school at the same time, which made me feel good, and um, get super fast pings and all that sort of stuff. My internet's no faster than DSL. Um, so, um, you know, the, the internet can only be as, as fast as the slowest link. So my YouTube's no faster. My... Um, uh, sometimes I'm downloading movies. I'm on a US iTunes account. Maybe I'm the first one to hit the um, uh, content distribution network on my ISP isn't on the CDN. Uh, but it can take three three hours still to download a movie. So, uh, you know, after the Christchurch earthquake, after all these things, I just think we could have a much um, more cost-effective stage rollout where we absolutely race fibre out to all the cabinets and then, um, you know, uh, use... Which, which is primarily done anyway, isn't it? In, well, you, well, you hear different things about how good that actually is. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think VDSL is going to be fine for 99% of houses. And if you want early access to fibre, then you spend a few thousand dollars because it's part of your business, all of those sort of things to have it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't aspire to have fibre, but it's so much more expensive. And, you know, I've got fibre. It actually, it's no faster than VDSL. Well, in your in your case, um, yeah, a lot more expensive because you didn't have ultra fast broadband being rolled out in your in your street. Uh, I guess my experience with um, with ultra fast broadband was somewhat you know different to yours. You know, I found I was able to you know one case I had to download a uh, uh, Mac OS um, uh, image and it was I don't know three and a half four uh, four gigs. And you know that took me you know four minutes as opposed to you know half an hour to download the same thing over yeah over my DSL connection and the uploads was the big you know the big difference for me it was just you know so dramatically different mm. um, but yeah I mean it, it is fair to say that VDSL uh, does give you a chunk of those uh, fiber type uh, you know type benefits and and you know coming closer but unfortunately it's only going to be available for a portion of the population as well yeah. it'll never be as um, as broad as what even ultra fast broadband will eventually be. Yeah, the, the the thing that makes the boat go faster though, what makes you know what 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 makes the business case for UFB and all of these things for me, it's um, it, it's multi point video conferencing. So it's um, you know being able to talk to your team easily, have multiple people on video, mm. Google Hangouts, multi party Skype, all of those sort of things. And to me that. I'm on fibre, we're on fibre in all of our offices, it's still a shitty experience. It just doesn't work. You as might it need should. to check your ISP, I well, think. Well, you know, now are you listening? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. friends. Um, I, and that is one, one point, though. There, I think there is actually quite a big difference in New Zealand between internet providers, and, you know, some of them will, will, will have, um, you know, good caching capabilities and other ones won't. There, you know, there are, I guess, a range of. Uh, of of issues in that uh, in that area as yeah, well. Yeah, so. but they shouldn't be. Um, as I was chatting to some people in chorus last week, you know, I think there's an opportunity for all the, all the retailers coming in. So chorus has to have a really active retail community selling stuff, and their chorus is frustrated because they're all going for price. What I'd love to see is some plans with like quality of service. Mm. So you know, you're a, um, a a a remote worker, so you don't need massively you know fast downloads and uploads what you need is a really good circuit so you can you know get get your the broadband you need to do you know four person multi video conferencing um, at a very consistent level yeah well it's worth having a look um, we've actually got a, a well we did have a page up on the NZ Tech podcast site uh, which we found wasn't enough to collate all the details. So we've set up a separate site at ufb.org.nz that sort of collates a lot of that sort of plan information across the various vendors. And uh, one of them is HD, and we haven't put all of their all of their details, but they're offering actually a range of, of options where you can get uh, different sort of contention ratios. So if you want that sort of guaranteed um, you know, bandwidth availability that you're not sharing with 500 other people, um, then you can actually pay a bit more to, uh, you know, to ensure you get that better uh, uh, you know, consistency, which is mm. kind of cool. Cool. Can I, can I ask a question? Because while I'm here, I just thought of something which is sort of kind of related. Yeah. So you know when Apple uh, um, announced HD Voice for their iPhones? Do we have that on these new 4G or Telecom XT network? We don't. We don't have HD Voice in New Zealand yet. Yeah. Uh, but it is it's something we, we've talked about in the past, and it will, you know, it will ultimately probably roll into 
to every market, but I think, um, yeah, it, it hasn't yet for whatever, whatever all the reasons are, which we can talk to the um, the Vodafone and the telecom guys about. I don't think either of them are rolling out uh, um, HD voice initially. Uh, yeah. The other one I'd really love to see, now we've got you know everyone with these neat networks, are some of those other base services like visual voicemail mm. you know it's mm. so nuts having to go back and listen to your voice I mean telecom does it okay with their sort of text message and get straight in there I've got about 20 unanswered messages at the moment but I'd love to be able to you know actually have the proper visual voicemail where you can mm. go mm. down in the UI and, and answer that message directly well so, it's, it's so there is a, doing it the way yeah. and then because I'm on Vodafone the same thing you have to push 5 then 2 then you can't remember for me voicemail to email would be then I can just exactly. get in my inbox yep. all my because um, we've got a, a VoIP phone system all my um, DDI voicemails are there all my you know other notifications my voice everything's in one place so just yeah Vodafone if you could and I know they've got it there they just mm, won't mm. enable it on well I've gone for something which you pay a little bit of a premium for but it gives you a similar type of functionality I've probably had it for about 10 years which means whenever anyone calls and it doesn't get through to me it gets answered by a real person they take the message and I just get it as a text so I I've, haven't had to listen to voicemails uh, you know, for, for years and years and years and it's really nice just being able to flick in instead of seeing a text saying you've got a message there's a text saying look this person called and here's their message and here's their number and you can click on it call them back if you want but to but it's very expensive though that's only problem. If if you get a, if you get a lot of calls, so yeah, absolutely, it's not it's not uh, something certainly aimed at the prepaid market, but uh, I think it's actually it's a really good value service. I think it's about twelve dollars a month plus one dollar per message, and there's not a huge amount of you know calls that that I you know can't take and that and that go through that. So, um, so yeah, you know. but I'm just wondering what you know why don't the carriers in New Zealand do these basic services that have been out since the iPhone first came out? Why don't we have that? We should demand that consumers unite. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, time for a zero telecom. You guys <laughs> yeah. could, you know, just branch out sideways. <laughs> now, uh, so that was VDSL. Now, uh, Windows Eight uh, been, I guess, a little bit of a disappointment for uh, for some. A lot of people wishing that there was still a uh, a start button. Um, personally, I haven't had too much of an issue with that, uh, but we do have. Um, the announcement comes through from Microsoft uh, today uh, that this new version of Windows 8, uh, which was codenamed Windows Blue, is uh, going to be titled Windows 8.1 and it will be a free upgrade. Is that a good thing? Should they be charging for this and making some money like Apple do with their uh, dot one uh, upgrades? Or uh, is this going to... Or do they just need to do this to make people happy about Windows 8? Uh, I, I, interesting. I mean, I used to just, you know, I was... And most of my career to date working in that Microsoft environment, I used to be so excited about when a new bit of Microsoft stuff done. Now I just don't even care. But what I would say, though, it's finally seeing some kind of interesting um, innovation happening from Microsoft. So, you know, we've, we have, we're about 400-odd people now. Quite a lot of us have, have uh, Macs. And because um, uh, it was kind of didn't really matter if you're on a Mac or a PC. Uh, but what's happened is, um, through their new sort of office products, building uh, building presence and communication directly into them is actually really interesting. So um, I just love it. When you get an email, you can see if someone's online in, in the team, immediately do a call, immediately you know uh, do, do a chat to them. And where they're going with that is kind of unifying that with Skype so uh, external people can call and doing all those sort of things. So um, they're doing some quite neat stuff. And finally, there is really a killer app for Windows, and that's the presence that's been built in uh, to Office. Mm, but mm. it's also frustrating. We're in this um, cycle where everything's broken. So, you know, Office 365 has started, but SharePoint doesn't really work on it. Um, uh, we're finding Link on a Mac's pretty pretty bad. So, you know, some of us are moving to Windows devices now. Skype and um, uh, Skype and Link is all going to get together, but it's not there it's yet. Not there yet, is it? Um, yeah. And then you've got Yammer. Uh, and Yammer's not fully integrated. In fact, they've been taking functionality out. So it's it's interesting to me that as we're building a business, um, there actually isn't a easy, no-brainer kind of operating platform for running your business. You have to you still feel like you're the first one in the world linking all of these things together to make it work. So it feels like um, there's some great stuff coming out of Microsoft. I think the what they've done with Windows Phone is really exciting. The email on Windows Phone is just awesome. Uh, and there's some really neat bits coming on, but at, at the moment everything's kind of broken as well. 
Yeah, I mean, there certainly are, are some uh, you know challenges there, particularly as they move from a company that's uh, you know been producing you know this software to run you know on customer premises, and they're moving that to the cloud. And you know that didn't start in the same way as Zero or Google with uh, you know cloud-based things to start with. Um, and sure, they've had the likes of Hotmail, which has you know been in been you know a cloud-based uh, you know offering since year dot. But in moving Exchange and, and Link and these various other products, um, there are definitely some pains in sort of getting to that point. Uh, and you know, and even around SharePoint as as well, uh, in, in terms of putting those. Uh, entirely in the cloud, and uh, I guess uh, you know customers that are on Office three six five, a lot of them will have uh, just been through that process where they're upgraded to this new Wave fifteen uh, of the product. Have you been through this new uh, upgrade at at zero? Um, yeah, well, so we're on Office three sixty five, and I don't get an email saying we've got new versions of anything. Mm, so mm. they're kind of half in. Um, so in in the spirit of you know, just I'm sure that Tim Cook was listening, and we said the idea uh, they should do iMessage for Android. This is I'm sure Steve Barmer's listening as well. So if I was Steve Barmer, what I'd be doing now? So you know, Microsoft had this enterprise business; they need to move to the cloud. And this goes really back to our aftermail days. It always seemed to me nuts that um, email wasn't modelled on top of a a relational database, mm-hmm. which is why we did um, uh, why we did the aftermail business. Which, in hindsight, we sold far too early. I wish we'd sort of had a keep going a bit. Um, uh, I wish we'd kind of had taken that a wee bit further. Mm. But what I'd be doing is I'd be taking Outlook dot com and seamlessly linking that into Exchange. So it's crazy now when I go in and um, change laptops, I'm still carrying 16 gig of mail with me. It's mm. nuts. Mm. What should happen is that all your mail is in the cloud, so uh, you should seamlessly be able to, you know, archive or whatever just silently from your um, in-house mail server onto Outlook.com. Then that hooks all of those enterprise customers into the cloud, and you know, give you full searching and and all of that sort of stuff. So it just staggers me. You have got these big companies, but these silos inside the business don't really talk mm. and um, with all the assets they have the resources they have already um, those connections inside the enterprise they could be so do could be doing some stunning things mm. and they're not mm. Yeah, I think some of those bits and pieces are coming together. Some of them are more behind the scenes. Some of them we're seeing, for instance, with the uh, the new version of Outlook 2013. Yeah, you can set it up so that actually most of your stuff, you know, does sit in the cloud, uh, and all you see on your, you, you know, you synchronise to your local machine is say the last, you know, three months worth of stuff. So you don't have to have, you know, in the old days you might have this PST file that's you know five gigs, ten gigs, twenty gigs, whatever. Um, you know, you can just really have the latest piece of that. So it actually syncs down to a machine pretty quickly and all your older stuff does sit up in the cloud but uh, yeah so yeah. we're on Office 365 I haven't got Office 13 I don't, I don't understand I don't understand it anymore fair enough fair enough and you shouldn't have to right yeah uh, someone else should worry about that um, and hence why companies like mine giving uh, Gorilla a plug because I don't do that very often uh, but uh, that's why companies like ours ours exist is to look after those things for uh, businesses like yours that need to get on and do what they do uh, and not uh, worry too much about um how their technology is is run. Now I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I got a prod from someone a little while ago saying, "Why do you never mention your business on the podcast?" So um, they said I should every now and then. So there we go. I did. Um, now moving along, um, New Zealand Digital Podcast. Now we launched our first episode uh, just a few weeks uh, back, a month or so back. Uh, we're now up to our third episode. Um, so anyone that is involved in that. Uh, uh, digital media, social media uh, world, and so on. Um, look that up at NZ Digital Podcast dot com. Uh, we've just launched our third uh, episode. We talked to uh, Richard Irvin, um, who is a social media guy at NZ Cricket and X uh, Telecom New Zealand. Uh, so that one's online now, uh, and we've got a bunch more episodes that'll be up over the next few days. Uh, now, hands on with some gadgets, uh, Rod. Now, next to you, you've got there the uh, the new uh, Slate Seven from uh, from uh, HP. Is that uh, is that there or is that dis- disappeared? We've got so many yeah, uh, no, gad- gadgets around here. Yep. Um, so this is one we've we've been chatting about for a while. I think um, HP originally made the announcement in uh, in February that this was uh, was coming to New Zealand. There was a bit of a mix up uh, halfway along the way where the, the pricing got mixed up, but uh, this has indeed uh, launched or is in the process of launching uh, here in New Zealand uh, for uh, for two hundred and twenty nine dollars. What's your pick on that as a uh, as a form factor? Because you are a user of an iPad and an iPad uh, Mini, 
Um, it's it's a bit chunkier, isn't it? It's a bit of a bit of a thicker device, uh, but it's about half the price. Yeah, I mean it's pretty nice. It looks like it's well made. Um, you got a front and a rear rear camera, uh, yeah. which I mean we've got the Google Nexus Seven there as well, uh, which doesn't doesn't have the rear camera, uh, but the screen's not as uh, as good, is it? Um, uh, it seems okay. I mean it's mm. a staggering price for the similar sort of thing. It does look like kind of like a big iPhone. But, um, I mean, yeah, that sort of price, you think about what kids spend a year with textbooks and that sort of stuff, The uh, just the ability to get these sort of devices just to a whole lot of kids and stuff is really exciting. Mm. I mean, it, it really does open up, uh, you know, open up access to, uh, uh, you know, to a, a much broader audience, I guess, than what we had in the past. You know, it wasn't that long ago. You needed some sort of computer and you were spending, you know, thousands to, uh, you know, to get something into somebody's hands. I think uh, you know it's great to see that price point, and it's not a it's not a junk sort of rubbish device. It's from a you know a good name that we know's got some uh, you know some sort of backup and and support. Uh, you've got um, yeah, it's a lower res- resolution screen. I think it's six hundred by a thousand and twenty four pixels. So um, you know not the same sort of you know, definition uh, as uh, as the um, the iPad Mini there and um, and and the Nexus Seven for instance. But um, yeah, you've got a slot in there. You can expand the eight gigs worth of uh, external storage. Um, and so yeah, I think you've kind of got the basics that you would expect uh, in a tablet. It's quite nice. What do you think of it, Nate? Um, I have to say I'm a little bit disconnected with tablets now. I ended up getting away from it just because my phone. Um, I tend to be be able to do everything on my phone now. Yeah, would you say it's about half the price of the iPad Mini? Was it? Yeah, I mean, two hundred and twenty nine dollars uh, versus the, um, the iPad Mini is what is it four hundred and? <coughs> it's a bit of a blur, actually. I f- it's about it's about double it's about double that something like uh, four fifty nine off off the top of my head. I think it looks like I haven't had much of a play with it, but it looks like a very similar offering. But that price point's a lot, lot less. It's interesting. I've been um, on an iPad Mini for a wee while, and I now go and grab an iPad, and it's like the, it's this giant device. And over over um, uh, summer holidays, uh, just sort of sitting on the bench, there was an iPad and an iPad Mini, and I just ended up just grabbing the the iPad Mini all the time. And actually, it's exactly the same size. You just move it two inches closer to your nose, and you know, the screen's exactly the same size. I just think they're amazing, and I use my iPad Mini just a whole lot more than I use, than I uh, used to use my iPad. Yeah, I find that's actually a really sweet spot in terms of the form factor. I think, um, I mean, yeah, four seventy nine is the price on the iPad Mini. It does have a bigger screen. It's a, f- a f- uh, seven point nine inch screen, and in fact, we've just had. Uh, um, Samsung launched their uh, their Note 8, which you know they've they've gone after that you know a similar sort of form factor, uh, but you know with the uh, with the stylus in it, so you can uh, you know take advantage of handwriting recognition, and uh, yeah, it seems like that's a really really good uh, sort of size to go for, and yeah, it's a I think it's a lot it's a lot easier to use than. Uh, you know, a bigger tablet for that sort of just you know reading emails and uh, you know watching video that sort of stuff, browsing the web. Mm. It's a real pity that uh, Bluetooth headsets never really kind of worked out because that and a headset would kind of work. Mm. Need some sort of chip implants into your ear and then we'll be sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got some of those Bluetooth units kicking around and they just yeah you just never ended up uh, end up using them. Uh, now a couple of other uh, gadgets. Uh, one uh, one I showed off on uh, TV three Monday morning was. Uh, the Slingbox, now uh, not a brand new device by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, the Slingbox 350, which has been out for, I know, six months or so in the US, uh, never been launched here, not designed to work in the New Zealand market. Uh, but we did find out at CES, chatting to uh, to the guys there at Slingbox, uh, that they've, they've sort of uh, opened up their platform a little bit, so... Uh, you can somewhat adjust it to uh, to work in mar- markets outside of the US. So um, I've tried out uh, the Slingbox 350, uh, picked that up in the in the US over the weekend, and took me about 15 minutes to set it up with the uh, the TiVo box. And what it does is it allows me to uh, to get into my uh, my Freeview uh, signal, or if you were to set it up, I guess with a, a MySky box or a similar sort of box, um, that allows you there to rebroadcast. And rather than have that uh, uh, that signal going up onto your TV or your, your projector, uh, as in my case, um, you can pick that up from a laptop, you know, any browser, um, or with the smartphone uh, application, which is um, 
it's actually pretty cool if you're uh, you know you're traveling and you want to get it maybe programs you've recorded maybe you're overseas and you want to catch uh you know new zealand news or some you know new zealand programs and so on um you know it gives you that type of capability which is um i think it's pretty cool very expensive uh no they're about um the 350 is about 100 and, what is it 180 uh us dollars x tax uh, and the 500, which has got an HDMI uh, input, is about 300. Um, is about 300 USX tax. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean that was I guess worked out just over um, yeah a little bit over 200 dollars to uh, to pick one of those up and uh, and bring it home. But uh, but quite cool. Um, so I've, what I've got in my case is I've got the HDMI on the um, on the TiVo box going going into the projector, and then uh, the component. Uh, outputs that just go into the uh, into the sling box and uh, yeah works really nice. Cool. Um, what is the limitation is uh, is the upload speed on my um, ADSL connection at home. So that's where I need VDSL or UFB uh, and uh, what I'd be able to see remotely would be of a of a better quality. Uh, now there are a couple of phones there uh, next to you there, Rod. Um, we've got HTC's uh, one, which is the one you're you're holding. Uh, What's your uh, what's your take on that in terms of uh, the hardware and this and, is a cool looking phone. Yeah, I'm really impressed. Is this the new iPhone 12 or whatever? <laughs> well, it's funny because I t- when I took that into into TV3, there were there was yeah there was quite a bit of comment about whoa, what's this? This looks really cool. And um, you know, iPhones always sort of held that sort of uh, you know had that esteem as being the the sort of most um, you know stylish uh you know handset out there and this sort of carries a lot of that iphone type um styling but with the much bigger screen with that 4.7 inch you know full hd screen um you know which which in reality i guess is um um the power buttons on the top there um i failed the first test (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so it does take a little while to get used to when uh, when you're coming off your iphone but um yeah pretty not pretty nice piece of uh Pretty nice piece of hardware. Now, this Nate, makes me really angry about iPhones. Like, this is just beautiful and with massive real estate. You know, you look now at an iPhone 4 and it's a joke. We're looking through these little postage boxes. It just uh, upsets me. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it, is one of, it is one of those things that you've got to wonder, when is Apple going to release uh, something with a four and a half or five inch screen? I mean, it's good with the iPhone 5 that they bumped it up to four inch uh, because before that it was... It was, you know, really tiny compared with uh, with everything else. But uh, yeah, they are sort of staying staying behind on the uh, on the size front. I would certainly like to see them release, you know, a, a broader range of uh, of screen sizes. What do you think about Android as an operating system? Oh, it's kind of like someone's throwing up Lego blocks. I can't I can't get my head around it. I've tried. I'd love to love it. I don't. And then, but then I go back to. Um, to, to the iPhone and it's, it just works but it, it really makes me uh, angry because you're, you're in this sort of widget centric app centric view the, the vision was information at your fingertips I really like Windows Phone I think that's one of the more interesting ones just didn't have the apps there but also I think in the design of the um, of the of the UI of Windows Phone they kind of over designed it it's like very um, Saab driving square glass kind of mm. thing big thing so the test for me was, I think, um, on my iPhone, I get uh, four messages, four email messages on a screen. And with this massive, I got the uh, the big Nokia, you know, the big heavy thing, and it's, it had less messages on the screen, even though the screen was bigger because oh, wow. the UI was so big. Right. So right. if they, in the next generation, hopefully they, um, you know, if you could get like sort of seven or eight messages on a screen, then that would be uh, really, really cool. Mm. And you'd assume the, the, uh, the apps would have been moving ahead uh, quite a lot more. But I just love the email on Windows Phone. That was a proper Outlook email and responding to, uh, to meeting requests and all that sort of stuff was just stunning. So why doesn't Apple do a – sorry, why doesn't Microsoft do Outlook for iOS? They should be doing that. Or why doesn't um, I guess because they, they want to sell their own phones, right? I guess so, yeah. That's the, us- the usual challenge. Now, Nate, have you had a quick look at the uh, the HTC One? What What do you think? You've been uh, really nice. The, what was the HTC One? What was the HTC? That you, I, were, you were you were playing with the HTC One X over the past yeah. uh, few weeks while hated, your uh, while you, while your while your S three was uh, um, in for a pair, and I think you've jumped to the S four. Right? Yeah, I just sold my S three. I got sick of it. Um, I really like the. I was actually doing a lot of um, 
watching a lot of stuff on YouTube last night about the the new HTC, and they were saying that the design compared like the S4 is quite a boring, you know, square copy Apple sort of thing, whereas HTC is actually something quite a little, quite a bit better. And it's also the Android's a little bit different, isn't it? It's got, and I don't know a lot about it, but it's got um, like it looks a little bit different. It's not your yeah. Well, I mean, vanilla. I think what what I mean what what we're seeing from HTC and uh, you know and Samsung and and uh, and Sony and others is you know they, they're customising the experience, so it's not just the vanilla out of the box experience and yeah there are there are i guess uh variances and yeah some people have said look just do away with all that stuff and go with the vanilla um you know that would bring a lot more consistency to the platform uh but you know i think each vendor is wanting to differentiate and make uh, make their offering a little bit uh, a little bit special all right well um that's probably us on the uh, on the handsets now one more uh, one more device um, Netgear Neo TV Max. Uh, actually, we might push that one to next week. I'll uh, I'll fill in on uh, yeah on that one on uh, on next week's uh, episode. Um, that was something that I picked up in the US as well. So that really wraps us up for uh, for this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So uh, thanks everyone for listening in. Now, uh, Rod, where can people find you online? You're on Twitter at Rod Drury. Nice and easy. Excellent. It's not as cool as Nate. He's Nate. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sure if you paid somebody a million bucks, you could uh, you could get the Twitter handle at Rod. I did uh, look at that. But yeah. you would probably get the same challenges as Nate gets and gets I mentioned get, in I all missed, sorts of random tweets um, every what day. What was the big one? When Nate Dog do- No, when it was his anniversary of his death, I just, just tweet after... People don't know how to use Twitter, so they'll put Nate Space Dog rather than underscore, and you just... I t- I've got notifications off on my phone, because it... Wasn't that lovely that day when the new girl from Telecom uh, came onto Twitter? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't... She was... Um, for those of you who didn't know, she was not doing the reply. I don't think she was putting the name in properly, was yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, And, yeah, we were quite funny. Yeah, there were, there were a few uh, oddities, but uh, but she's got her head around it re- yeah, yeah. reasonably no, quickly. Take and, uh, it was a bit of a laugh. Yeah, though. yeah. Um, so Nate you're easy to find yeah at, just at on Nate, Nate on, and then um, I blog a lot on Geek Zone, so if you just go to the front page Geek Zone, my blog's on there so good good uh, and uh, yeah I'm pretty easy to track down at Paul Spain on uh, on Twitter and uh, and techjungle.com uh, is is my blog which is also sits uh, via Geek Zone as well uh, so hey thanks everyone for listening in we will catch you on the next episode uh, we do have uh, two or three uh, episodes for you this week so uh, so lots of interesting uh, content for your consumption see ya <laughs>